Welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, where you will hear conversations with artists and creative entrepreneurs from around the globe. From art and creativity to education and business, this podcast features discussions with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, and I can't wait to get started. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the New Visionary Podcast. Today we are going to be chatting with Nicole Miller, who is an amazing artist and art educator based in Dallas, Texas. I am so excited for today's conversation. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Victoria. I'm so excited to be talking to you. I've been watching you for a while and (laughs) working with you. So it's so great to talk to you. I know. I know. I'm thrilled that you're here. And we have had the pleasure of virtually meeting several times before. Mm -hmm. So you were definitely on my mind when I was thinking about, (laughs) you know, wonderful, innovative artists and educators to invite onto the podcast. I think I mentioned you were like the first person that I thought of. So I can't wait to dive in and learn more about you and for our listeners to learn more about you too. So Typically, the way I start these podcast interviews is to just get a deeper understanding of your journey as an artist and also as an educator and, you know, how the two kind of melded together. So start by telling us, you know, how has it been for you as an artist? Were you always creative? Did you grow up making art? How did that journey kind of begin? I grew up making art. I will say that um, and it started very early. I think, I don't know, I woke up just an artist. I think around fifth and sixth grade is when I kind of just kind of dabbled in it. I didn't have art in elementary school, but I knew I wanted to do it. And so I told my parents and then they started buying me things. And I always look back on that and say that they really put time into me because all of the quality of the material they bought me, I still have a lot of it now all these years later. So it was a part of me early. Um, and I think it would, it stemmed from both my parents being creative people, just seeing them, even though I had several, I have four siblings. I think the, the two-dimensional part of what they do came out of me because I'm the only one that does drawing and painting on paper. They use their creativity in other ways, but for me, it's been artistically through drawing and painting. And so I think I, I didn't, um, I began painting things that I saw. So I've kept to the nature part of it, but my early paintings were birds, which was so interesting. And I drew from books and things that I saw, being that I didn't have any formal training as a child. But I had a best friend in fifth grade whose mother was an art teacher in Dallas. And so my parents paid for private lessons for me, for her. And one of the things she taught me was how to draw eyes. I still remember that. And so she gave me the the standing of the realism in art. And so through middle school, I, I still was just doing it on my own. And then in high school, that's where I got to actually do more of expressing myself. Um, and originally it was through when, in sixth grade, when I was with my dad, he would pick me up from school and I'd go to his office. He was an architect and see, I would see all the tools and these tools are around me now. He's gone, but I still have a lot of his architectural tools, his draft and brushes and his, his, uh, triangles and templates and things like that. So a lot of my artwork has those qualities that draftsmanship 
in it, I would say, but um, I would see that in his office. And so um, high school, I took, um, we have career in tech there. And so I, I kind of majored in quote unquote, uh, or specialized in architecture. So I have a strong drafting background, you know, all my drawings with the lines and things like that. And so, and I did that all of high school and college was going to be architecture as well. And so, but even in that, uh, the line quality, I still had a, a fluidness about it, but it, it had the, like I would write in a draftman style, my lettering and all of that. So I had that geometric look to it in the early days. But then when I got to college, you know how you have to have 2D and 3D. And so that's where I, that first course was, I found me, really me, apart from my father in the more geometric style of art. And so I asked him, could I change my major? And so I changed my major to studio art and I haven't, I haven't looked back. And so I did all of my schooling, drawing and painting, really a strong hand in drawing. And that's where I really teach my students. We draw a lot. And I know some artists don't, don't do the drawing first, but I just come in through that architectural background and drafting. I draw first. And uh, so I give them that. And so through that, I think once I got there, I really saw where I wanted to go. And so once I graduated or that last year of college, that's where teaching came about. A lot of my peers and friends were saying, well, you know, you can become a teacher and then you can make your art and you can influence the students. And I said, oh, that's exciting. Because when I was in college, we didn't have what, what you guys have now, social media and, and saw, you could see everything you can do being an artist. For me, I think back then, it was, I could, what I visualized was either being an architect or doing something in advertising, more commercial, commercial art and things like that. Not so much as like drawing and painting and selling paintings, you know? So I got, my first job was teaching. I taught at the high school I graduated from. I taught in the interior design cluster, which was kind of like my architecture cluster. I taught that and I taught art one. And so it, it was exciting then. I taught about five years of high school art and design. Wow. That's so, it's so fascinating because, and, and the reason I always like to start with this question is because it truly is so different for every artist, you know, how they got started, how their journey kind of unfolded over time. And I had no idea that you had such a heavy influence with architecture and that you, you know, your father was an architect and that you studied that mm -hmm. before yeah, moving into yeah. painting and drawing. So yeah. that is really cool to learn. And I also think that it's such a beautiful thing that your family supported you because it sounds like your parents were both very creative and, you know, the fact that they invested in private lessons for you as a child, not every artist has that. And I think it's so special when you do have that growing up. Because it also shows you that, you know, making art isn't just like a fun hobby, but it, when your family members take it seriously and they show you that this is something that you can seriously pursue um, and they invest in that, it's really powerful. I think that is too. I, I, I think it was in eight because I, I could see it in myself with my daughter. You just, you, you want to 
you want to, to see them develop. Like I would say, oh, I would spend this amount of money if I see that she really continues to enjoy it. Yeah. And, and that's how she is now. She's a graphic designer, but we she wanted to explore every option. Yeah. And that's that's kind of how it is now. And um, once I taught high school, I left I left teaching a couple of times, both when my parents passed, I wanted to finish up the interior design because for him, he uh, he he saw in me the more he thought I was highly creative. He saw because it's so much structure to into, in, into architecture, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of limited in what they can do. They bring in designers to bring in the color, and the shapes and the lines and the textures and things like that. And so that's the part he would he wanted me to do for him. And so we had a design program, a three-year program here at, at one of the colleges in Dallas. And so I had started that, but I didn't finish. And so when he passed, I committed to, I said, you know what, I really want to finish that for, for him. And I actually did. I finished that three-year certificate in interior design. So I have that also as an associate degree, but I, I just wanted to do that for him. He, he saw that, but also what he saw was, when I was painting, he he didn't do that part of it. And so it just encouraged me even more to explore. That's where the florals came in. I, I was painting those flowers in the 90s. And so they were big and they were abstract. And it was, I mean, I had an eight foot flower. It was crazy how it was painted on the floor then. And really all that just came out of me in my early 20s. That's beautiful. and. I was going to ask you, like, how has your background, I mean, you spoke a little bit about how your background, learning to draw and learning some of those key elements and principles of architecture informed your teaching, you know, and teaching your, your students to draw, um, which I think also is just so important to learn to draw first. I also learned to draw before painting. And to me, that was like, so profound and pivotal. In your work as an artist, how else would you say your background in interior design and architecture impacted the paintings that you create today. And, and the kind of follow-up question to that is, how has your work shifted and evolved since the 90s? And, you know, what remains the same and what has changed? That's what I'm wondering. It's <laughs> so layered. I think, um, well, the, the interior design, it does two things for me. It allows me to have the the composition be proper and the form and the color and texture. So I know exactly the layers of the work that I'm doing. The paintings have those layers and it has the balance. So I'm looking to, because, and I, I, I'm only thinking of this now, it is because it's so structured you, it's permits and things you have to have in, in actual architecture and design, you know, cause you're, you're building and creating for people to move through that space. So I think in my paintings, I, I always used all of the elements. Like it, it may focus on color and texture, but I, I had to have the balance and I had to have the, have it, uh, the lines and the shape work well. So it, it also, in some ways it, my paintings also had some limits to them is what I'm saying. Cause I, I built it so much on the structure or the foundation of the design work first. And so they have evolved into, I know one of the things my mom said, and she's been gone for 10 years now, but one of the things, I don't know why I was so attracted to the florals and nature and things that I saw 
those were the, I, I really tell my students, and I know I'm off, but I really love the fluid lines. Uh, so I had a, I'm, I'm a dual person. I think everybody, every artist probably is, but I had that structure of design, but I like the fluid of the abstract. So I think the flowers allow me to use the lines, but I also can go turn it and curve it and do those kind of, have the fancy lines as we call it in elementary, have a fancy line. And so I was really attracted to, to that. And so it's evolved into, I stayed with the floors and, and my mother was like, you still painting those flowers? And I, I just, I, they have so much meaning to me and I could do so much with what I, what I have and how I express myself through the fluid lines of a flower. Uh, but see, I may feel it with the line details of a straight or vertical, horizontal or diagonal line. The lines are there. I may feel it with a Zentangle type of a, a look to it because I'm, that's my foundation. That's so beautiful. I just love hearing about it because, you know, we see artwork all the time, like on social media. And I have seen your artwork pop up on my Instagram so many times, but it's so different when you actually talk to the artist and you really learn what the work is rooted in. Mm-hmm. It, it really does. And, and that's now I now teach elementary art. I, and how I got to elementary art was I was teaching high school, right? And we had the elementary kids come over for a competition. And oh my goodness, the kids were so excited. And I and they were so uninhibited. That's the key. And I said, after I love, I said, if I ever go back, I, I want to do elementary school. I want to get to where they decide they are afraid. And then I want to change that. And so when I did come back, um, after finishing up that design, I, I taught elementary school. And so this is the sixth year, actually, at that school. So it's, it's a total of eight years elementary. And I, I, I found where they are most excited. And I'm working to not let them lose the excitement at fifth and sixth grade. Yeah, it's beautiful because mm-hmm. that is the time when they start to mm-hmm. become more self-conscious mm-hmm. and critical. And, you know, it's those early years, like kindergarten, first grade, yeah. second, third, where oh. they are just like, you. I think uninhibited is the best way to describe it. And yes. I found that when mm-hmm. I was teaching, it was always a reminder. You know, one of the things I loved most was working with the kids at that age because it was a constant reminder to me to be more uh, free and uninhibited in my own work. You know, it like, it's kind of contagious, their enthusiasm. So one of my questions for you is how does your work as an art educator influence your own art practice? Oh, in these last few years, a lot. They, the kids give me so much strength and encouragement. They think, they tell me one day you're going to be famous. You know, oh, you draw so well. And it, it's crazy what they see, but they, they see, uh, almost like they see me, they see the true me. And I think in the beginning, you think, oh, I don't want to show the kids because it's going to make them feel like they're not doing as well. But really, it doesn't. They get excited for you. So then more recently, the last couple of years, it's encouraged me. I know an old Post, I said, I'm going to start taking their compliments and, and really say thank you. And I've used that to to really influence work working in the studio. And I, uh, the pandemic really helped me. Um, I was home, home teaching. 
and I used that time to create a little small corner because uh, I was in, we were in an apartment during the pandemic time, which was really tiny. And so I created a watercolor space and I thought watercolor would be the easiest form of art to do in a small space. And so I, I would do Amazon orders of watercolor and I, I was painting still really, truly the, the flowers are a part of me. So I continued to express myself, but I built that, that watercolor practice, which is a, which was different from what I have been working with. And so now I really tell them because they do want to qualify. We have newer students, a lot of new students this year, and they, they really want to know, well, what do you do and what is your favorite? And you know, they, they want to know more about me and my art. Am I an artist is what they ask because they really think they're artists too. So we're all artists in here, I say. I love that. And I, it's, oh my gosh, you're just reminding me, like kids are so amazing and special and they see, like you're saying, they see the specialness in you. It's almost like they are seeing through different eyes, you know, and for you, yeah. And for you to be able to really listen and take those compliments in, you know, and know how much you're inspiring them and how much they look up to you. And also to know that Mm -hmm. they see that your work is beautiful because it is, you know, and that's, uh, that's amazing. It it, it is amazing. And it, I think for when we were talking about how inhibited they get. And I was just in awe last week with my sixth graders because we had, we've been off the last couple of days for holiday and one sixth grade class had missed the project the week before because we they were helping me uh, work on some display work. And so I said, well, guys, you've almost missed one whole project because, you know, we've been behind. And I said, well, do you want, and I gave them an option. I said, do you want to start the new project or do you want to do the project that you're about to miss? And they picked the project they were about to miss. I showed them the pineapple still life I had painted and I could not believe they wanted to do that project. I mean, they really could have moved on. It was the day, it was the day before we were out for four days, but they really dug in in those paintings of their fruit. Well, they actually did the drawing. We did the drawing first. So we spent that uh, Thursday on the drawing and they really chose that. And I was, it, it just is amazing because these are 12 and 13 year olds, you know, they could do anything. They're, they're painting and drawing watermelons and bananas and oranges and kiwi. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. And I can just hear in your voice how much you love teaching. And it's such a beautiful thing. I mean, I think teaching is, it is one of the most powerful things you can do because you're influencing a younger generation and you're instilling these values and ideas in them that they're going to carry with them, hopefully through their lives. You know, I can't tell you how many artists that I talk to and they're like, it all started with my third grade art teacher or, you know what I mean? <laughs> true, true, and, it, true. and it's true yeah. because, you know, art is such a magical thing. And for kids, it's such a fascinating thing that you can create something out of nothing. You can create an entire world with a pencil and paper, you know, or just a few colors of paint. And uh, it's really incredible and inspiring to hear. It really is. And we we think about it as if the uh, drawn from your imagination and a lot of our children have big imagination. So I do encourage that. And then drawing what we see. We work a lot of, on drawing what we see, but I give them the time to draw from their imagination. 
Yeah. And so I, I like them to have both those qualities. But I do take it very seriously, especially since I tell them all the time I didn't have art in school. In this district that I am in, oh, man, they see what art and music can do for the kids. And so they have a program for kindergarten through 12th grade. They built a high school just for the performing and visual arts. And so I, I haven't been more supported in a school ever. And so they, it, it, I, I want from K through six to give them that deep feeling that art can take them somewhere that they would never imagine and take that on through. And so I focus on exploring K through six, whereas when they get to seventh and eighth and up, it's more of getting into the realistic drawing and more realism. So I do, I do, even though we have, we, we draw and we draw every Friday and our projects start with a drawing, it's, it's, it's more about exploring everything. Yeah. And that's so important to, to expose them to so many different kinds of techniques and mediums, as many as you can, so that they can really learn and decide what they love. And again, I just love that you emphasize drawing because it's, it's, I think that drawing is the foundation of painting and of really every art form. You know, it's for me, when I learned to draw, it was the first time that I was observing the world and actually documenting or recording it on paper. And that's such a powerful experience in itself. So I think that's incredible. Because it, it truly really helps with in any form, if you are uh, yeah. a realistic artist, or even if you're abstract, you're still working with the composition. And so if we can get that pencil work done and then seal it with a, with a Sharpie, which is what we do, it can, it can help them move it around and see what works. Yes, uh, I'm working on fall leaves with third grade and we're doing the composition of it. I, I just love what I'm seeing from them. And they really work into how they want to place it on the paper. Is it hanging off the edge of the paper? Are we leaving enough space around? Uh, so the so the drawing part, sometimes I even help them with a template, but then they go in there with the fluid lines, the organic lines to help them out. I don't want to make it hard for them. So I do sometimes give templates yeah. and guides and things like that so that they feel confident. Yes. That's most important. Yeah. Our job is to make people happy with our art in school. And that's what I tell them because I hang a piece of artwork for every student in the building. Oh my and goodness. So, and we want to make the teachers happy. The teachers love seeing their artwork on the wall. And so that that's our job. So it's it's not hard because we're exploring, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. And it is about mm -hmm. confidence building for sure. Like, oh, absolutely. You know, art has this amazing ability to build confidence. And for some kids, the art room is the place where they feel the most confident and where they feel the most safe to take risks and to explore. And really, I, I remember, even though I'm not actively teaching anymore, but when I was, I was always thinking like, my job is to help to make kids feel as confident as they can mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to really build that sense of, you know, when, when, and I think this goes for adults too, when children or adults feel safe and supported, they then feel like they can take risks. So it's like building that foundation of safety and security. And you know what, if you have to use a template once in a while, so be it. It's because really it's about the, the journey and the process. And it's not always about the finished result. I mean, Yes, you want them to have something that they feel proud of, of course, but you want to build the confidence along the way, which is so key when it comes to teaching. And so many of them, it, it feels like a duty when, 
like I said, we have a lot of new students this year and they come in and they say, I love art. I love art. And so you 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 have to think about that. They're they're saying that to you. So it is it is a it is a job that I have to take very seriously to make sure that I'm nurturing what they need because they're telling me I love art. You know, and so it's it's very important. I could think up right off the top of my head, a, a second grader and a new third grader both have told me that, and so I'm making sure that I nurture what they need from it because they have to be getting something out of it mm-hmm. for them to come up to me and say, "I love art." While meeting me, you know, yeah. So it's really important. Yeah, it's like this beautiful thing when a child finds something that they love so much that. You know, I I remember when um, I was teaching and you could hear that really sweet silence of everyone just so engaged in the drawing or painting process. It's like you could hear a pin, Uh you could hear a pin drop, you know, because they're all just so immersed and it's, it's magical really. And it's inspiring, I think. It really is. It, in the drawing portion of it, you see them working to get it. and you can also see those erasers moving too. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yes. They focus all on that. And I'm like, how can you erase what you haven't even drawn? But I, I allow it. I, I'm very open. Yeah. And so they get to explore more in their painting because I don't really focus a lot on teaching them how to paint. Mm-hmm. I really want them to explore the the material I give. Yes. Yes. We'll talk about maybe the transparency and the opacity and how we work with the watercolor and the solid temper cakes and we work all the way to the liquid temper, to the acrylic, that part of it, or, you know, how to make the brush stay smooth and not look like a mop, those type of things. But not necessarily like how to do it because I feel like they need to explore it. Yeah. They would get to that technical part soon. Yeah. Right now it's about expression and feeling good about it and going through the process of it. Yes, a hundred percent. I feel that that is actually the most important thing to teach the or I guess I, I should say the most important approach to teaching art. Especially when the kids are young, it really should be about exploration and experimentation. And, you know, they, kids are so, so smart. Like they will learn just from using a material probably within 15 minutes, how, you know, what's too much water, what's too little water. Like, you know, they, they pick it up so fast. And so I think to just give them the materials and the support is such a beautiful thing for them. And, and, they'll, and they'll be risk takers. Yeah. Sometimes they're risk takers. And I'm like, wow. Well, and I think that's saying something about you as well, because I have found too, like kids really take risks when they feel, you know, like I was saying, safe and supported in, a, in that kind of environment where they feel safe to take risks. And so I can imagine even just from talking with you in this conversation, you know, I can feel your warmth and your passion and how supportive I'm sure you are in the classroom. So I think it's a testament to you as a teacher as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And so one, yeah. one of the questions I had for you as well is because I know you are working with so many students and you are also a, an amazing painter. How do you balance the time between <laughs> all that comes with uh, being an educator and also being an artist. Well, you know what? I will tell you the truth, Victoria. I get a lot of encouragement from from you. Some the 
last few posts, you you might have you'll put in some of the uh, words, or you'll say like you know just because you're not in a studio doesn't mean you're not an artist. Yeah. And sometimes I do um, I do have to like at the beginning of the year. There's a lot of uh, expectations for teaching, so I knew this summer I I literally painted every single yes. day. I knew I just wanted to just get in into the studio and just paint. And I knew it was going to come to an end of daily painting by August 4th. Okay. Cause that's when I was reporting back to duty. And so I, I didn't close the studio. I, I come in and I see the tools and it looks like a candy store in here, but I'm not actively painting right now. And so, but I'm okay with that. Cause I, yeah. I can see a date when I'll get back in here. But I do get a lot of fulfillment for creating because we we call them exemplars. I they're sample mm-hmm. projects for the kids. Yes. It just works better if they see yes. what they're going to do before yes. they do yes. it. So I'm really painting all the yes. time because yes. I'm producing the work that they're going to do. I, and I'm and we usually spend about two weeks on a project. So and I have seven level grade levels. Yeah, so you're always creating. producing work. I'm always drawing and I'm always painting. So I think that fulfills me. Yeah. Until I can I can uh, get back at because I would take mental notes even around my house looking at my paintings of where I'm going to focus. So when I get back in here in December, I'll be, I already know what I'm going to work on. Yeah. Yeah. I already know because I've been taking mental notes of the things I want to focus on uh, in my work from what I've done in the summer and then what I want to, how I want to progress from that. Yeah. And so that's how I balance it. But I do get the, 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 ooh, the, the desire, you know, that strong desire to create. I get that from watching them mm-hmm. and also producing what they what they're going to do. Yeah. And and through that, you're still actively involved in the creative process. Like, you know, those those posts that I've been writing to have really come from this place of, you know, I think as artists, we feel pressure to be working on our own practice our professional body of work all the time. And it's just not the reality for so many of us. I mean, yes, I I can point to a few artists I know who do have the luxury of being in the studio five days a week, but it's not the reality for most, you know, most people I know are either teaching art or involved in another kind of another line of work in addition to their art practice. And so you just have to think what works, what works for you. And I think to be able to say, you know what, there's seasons where I can create and that works for me. And in between those seasons, I can engage in the creative process in other ways. Like, you know, I've started to think lately, there's so many ways that we um, are engaged in the creative process outside of just making the work. When you're viewing art, you're engaged in the creative process. You know, when you're having a conversation with another artist about art, you are engaged in the creative process. Um, and you know, making those um, exemplars for the children, you're also engaged in the creative process. So it's like, you know, you have to find what works for you. And the most important thing is, I think, uh, for artists everywhere is to find ways to still be engaged in the creative process, because it can't always look like I'm at my easel painting, you know, for some of us, that really is a luxury to have that time. And so it's getting 
it's getting creative with finding ways to be creative. Creative, yeah. <laughs> you know? But sometimes you don't you yeah. think you, you need the time to yeah. absorb new information? Yes. Or to explore. A hundred percent. I actually find that when I take breaks from working on my art and I come back to it, the work is better. So I think that mm-hmm. taking time to, you know, like some artists consider this like a research period, you know, where they're just kind of spending a few weeks going to museums or looking at art online or even just mentally envisioning what their next series or collection of work is going to look like. That's all part of it too. It's, it does not have to look like physically painting or making your work from nine to five every day. And in fact, I usually don't recommend that even if you do have the time, because I think you can burn out really fast. Mm-hmm. You know, it needs to be. I a think so. If, I think I agree with that. I agree with that. It's a, um, I don't know why art is such a, such, it has so much to do with the inside, how you're feeling and thinking and then expressing it outward. It's more than just like a, what we produce is so much more than what we produce because uh, even as you're talking about it, it's it's really, it's a part of us. It's really just a part of us. And so how we express in it, uh, it, it is different. Yeah. But we're all artists. I think about when we're in the classroom, I don't present the project. Hey guys, here's what we're going to do. I try to pique their interest with something. Mm -hmm. And so I always bring, we're working on butterflies in second grade. And it's about symmetry. Um, But I showed them a migration of now they could bring drones in and we could go into uh, the migration of the butterflies and just to see how the drone can. It's a little hummingbird, but it can get all the pictures of it and and it, it takes them out. And so then they get the information and then they go work more with their butterflies. It is if we connect them. It just makes their artwork so much better and they connect it to what they're doing. Oh, I love yeah. that so much. It's, it's amazing how it works. But I, I do try to connect it with something that they've seen. Even the, the fruit still lives, we talked that we we're talking about shape, but we showed how still life is an important part or important subject in art. Mm-hmm. And it'll always be a subject that we explore because it has its still life is is a part of art. And so they didn't know that. And they were happy to actually create that still life knowing that I can move forward with this and and understand that a still life is just a a collection of objects. It could be anything, but they really loved the fact that it was fruit. I just love how they say, well, I'm going to do my favorite and watermelon is my favorite. You know, (laughs) and then they don't have a discussion at the table about a watermelon. It's just amazing. It is. It is amazing. They'll tell me, or some are doing cantaloupe. Cantaloupe is one of my favorite. And then we just discuss food. Yes, yes. And it's like, you know, I love, because I think also what you're saying too is like, we can use these projects as an opportunity to learn something deeper. Yes, you know? absolutely. And, and art is such a beautiful way of showing children, um, you know, introducing them to different concepts. And even like books with really beautiful illustrations or really powerful, you know, illustrations. It's such a great way to teach them things that sometimes it's challenging to just sort of come, come out with out of the blue, you know, like you can use it as a basis to start a conversation, like with the still life example, you know, yes, you're seeing right now a collection of fruits, but this is actually, you know, something that has had a 
a place in the art world for so many years. And absolutely, it's fascinating absolutely. to them. And I think that's the thing, one of the things for sure I love most about kids is they find everything so fascinating. You know, you can tell them something, <laughs> a super simple fact, and they're like so floored over it. But then it's like, yes. you know, I remember when I was teaching and this conversation is really taking me back, but I will say, even though I'm not actively teaching, I always consider myself to be an educator, you know, cause it's oh, kind of just absolutely. who you are. Um, it just looks a little bit different now, but I remember like, getting so excited when I was teaching over things that maybe I, I normally wouldn't be as excited about because of their excitement. It's like you start to see mm -hmm. through their mm -hmm. eyes and you're like, wait, this actually is really cool. Why did I think that this wasn't that <laughs> cool or interesting? Like, you know, because they're so excited. You start to see it in a different light. So I don't know if that's something you yeah. experience regularly. Well, but. yes, because that's what I was here with the sixth graders. Yeah. I was, honestly, I, I felt like, okay, well, they'll probably say they don't even want to even do either one of them. And they really <laughs> wanted to do that from still life. Yes. Based on looking at mine, and it didn't discourage them from looking at mine, doesn't discourage them from wanting to do it. it, it it's just like a jumping point for what they see. Yeah. I just love it. And I make it, I, I'll put from kindergarten through six, all the projects up. So it's just a a wall of projects and I can statements with it. So they'll say, oh, I want to do what? Fourth grade is doing. Oh, I want to do what third grade is doing. It, yeah. it has no, you know, not a grade level on it because art is art. You know, they want to do what they see, might see kinder. The levels may be the number of steps to get to it is maybe different, but it's it's for everyone. Yeah, and so that's exciting too. But but it could be the little thing, just like you said, and it just makes them so excited, and it keeps the excitement with my artwork because they do want to know what I'm doing and. What's my favorite and what do I use and yeah. things of that nature. So it, it actually helps me keep my practice going. Yeah. Well, and I think it's such an inspiration to them too, when you tell them, Hey, I am an artist in real life, you know, in addition to being your teacher, I'm an artist and this is my work because it shows them what's possible. And I often share this, like when I talk to parents who are artists and they're kind of doing art with their kids and, or like inviting their kids into their studio and showing them what they're working on, because I think it sticks with them because as they get older, you know, so many kids, I think, start to have this belief that, you know, art is just for little kids or art is, you know, not for me anymore. I'm not good at it. Or I can't, I mean, something that has been drilled into us for so long is like, I can't make a career as an artist. So when they see that their teacher is an artist in real life as well, it's showing them what's possible, you know, and you're showing them, hey, you can grow up to be an artist. And that's really, really inspiring. It is. You know, I, our director of visual arts and uh, we put on uh, uh, shows and we we have the kids. I, I get to select a few kids and their work uh, goes to it's like four district shows a year. And then it's a one a museum show at the end. So it's really, we, we put a lot into it. The kids get dressed up and it's like a gallery show for them. But one of the things our visual director always tells the kids is you can be a, look, you could be a teacher. Yeah. And he's seeing it and he said, they make a lot of money. <laughs> and he'll say that. And I'm like, yeah. well, wow. <laughs> I, you know, you don't think about 
art teacher. Sometimes yeah. people think that's you, you fell into it because you, you didn't sell your artwork, mm-hmm. but it's not. No. He, he really builds this, the art teachers up yeah. and, because most are practicing artists, but art teachers are a profession as well. Yeah. tell them that. And I think that being an art teacher, it's true. Like it's one of the most impactful jobs you can have raising a gener, helping to raise a generation of young artists. And you know, I, I definitely found when I was teaching, you know, unfortunately, I would have moments where someone would make a disparaging comment over the fact that I was teaching in addition to being an artist. And I don't think people understand, like, you're doing it because you love it and because of, because it's so meaningful and so impactful and so re- deeply, deeply rewarding. And I remember I ha- you know met with a gallery owner once who was very taken back by the fact that I was you know, a te- an art teacher. And I just thought that I don't think this is someone I want to work with because whoever I work with and wants to work with me knows that teaching and education is who I am and it's what I love. And yeah, there, I think there's, there's so many of these like myths and beliefs about artists that I think we just need to continue to work to dispel because they're not based on anything. Yes. And that, and that's what you're doing with with VAC and we're doing a podcast because just think we didn't have a connection or a group or got to see people like us as far as art teachers and artists. Yeah. Um, But now with social media, we can can connect more. And I I just love it because it, I can see both sides. I was, I was coming along when it wasn't even available. Yeah. And you just went with the people you went to school with. And then you guys want your separation and keep a community. Yeah. And, it, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it can be kind of a, a lonesome. And so just being able to connect with people, other other peers, as far as art teachers, and then practicing artists, art teachers is, is just phenomenal, I think. And so it'll, con- it'll continue and make more people want to do it. You know, or use their gifts and talents in that way. Absolutely. And and it's such a nice balance, I think, too, because when you're in the studio, whether your studio is, you know, your house or a studio you've rented out, but like when you are in your studio making art, it's a very, you know, the nature of it, it, it can be isolating. You are alone making your work. And so I always found that teaching or just having something else that enabled me to connect with others and at, you know, help to educate them. And, and I think in response, learn myself and grow myself as well. It felt like this beautiful balance. You know, I think I realized pretty early on that even if I had the option, and this is personal, this is so different for every artist, but I just knew that for me, and it sounds like this might be the case for you, that I needed something in addition to painting because I couldn't just be alone in my studio painting every day. And I thought that's what I wanted for so long growing up. And I realized that that wasn't completely fulfilling for me. I really had to be giving back in some way. And I think, you know, teaching is one of the most profound ways that you can give back to your community. Right. It, and I, I could think back on those, to even those professors I had, every, everybody gave me something, but with them encouraging me to continue, but I can also continue through teaching yeah, that, that was the gift they gave me because I, I don't know where I, I would be if I if I didn't go that route. Yeah, you know? I, of course my mother was educator through her cosmetology, but what where would I've been if I if I didn't go that route with teaching? Yeah, and I, I really don't. I, 
I really don't even want to yeah. come back because it's been it's been such a rewarding thing for me. Yeah. And then I, I was also going to say that the parents also help you. Yeah. They give you they give you that reinforcement you need because they're they're telling you how much impact you're giving or on their their child. I I get that all the time through emails. Yeah. Even uh, I have one that transferred out. She went to another school, but that parent wanted me to know that even though she was doing shows through another school, that her foundation because she was a first grader that I wow. sent to one of those art shows, and she just wanted me to know that she was my first foundation. I'm not even kidding. And I sent that that to my principal because it just was like amazing. And she would even remember to. To come back to me and let me know that that I had had the impact on her daughter. It's it's so heartwarming. I think I mean heartwarming is kind of an understatement. Like when you hear it from the parents or you actually see the impact that you have on that child's life, it is incredible. It is one of the most powerful things. And I'm just so inspired by all that you're doing. One of the last questions I have for you. Um, okay. Although I'm sure we could, you know, easily continue this conversation because I just love talking with you. And honestly, I feel so inspired and uplifted by your passion and enthusiasm. But one of the last questions I have have for you is, what advice would you give to a young teaching artist who has maybe just started uh, teaching art or or maybe someone who's interested in teaching art? What kind of advice would you give? I definitely, I, I actually just kind of experienced this uh, with another teacher. She was teaching special education, but her passion was art. Oh my God, it really was, or is. And so this is her first year teaching art at another school in another district. But I think what she picked up is how to run your classroom and how to be organized so that you can you know, really be able to explore everything. But one of the things I did tell her was to get to know the children because you'll come in and you'll want to, well, this is the way you do it. And this is the kind of art I make. So this is the way you should do it. And I really think you should get to know your students and what they enjoy and then layer on to that. And so it took a couple of years for me to see Okay, these kids are excited and they they love to paint. So we'll jump right in. Some won't even, some teachers may not even jump in, but I say jump in. Jump into that that you think they want. They they may not be able to, to do well or the class may not be as managed as it should be. Get those policies and procedures in place and inspect to it, but teach them how to Put on an art shirt, teach them how to wash their hands, teach them, teach them everything you want to see. And then you you spend a year exploring everything. I, I say not to be afraid to let them explore is what I would say. Oh, I love that. That's such beautiful advice. And I think that could even be applied to artists of all ages, because I think that as artists, you know, adult artists, we also have to remember not to be afraid and you know, so much of what you're saying, we can apply to our own work as well, because a lot of these things that you're talking about with, you know, children, we also need reminders to explore right. and experiment. Right. And, you know, it's something yeah. I'm trying to constantly um, not be afraid of in my practice. But it's funny how, you know, you can get into the, your own routine of of creating a certain kind of thing and you can start to feel fearful over time of changing that. So it's like, 
that's a beautiful takeaway from this episode too, is whether you're teaching or whether you are just, you know, you're an artist focusing on your, on your own beautiful work, just remember how important it is to explore and to experiment and really to allow room for that. And I've spoken a little bit about that in previous episodes too, but to really emphasize that in this conversation is important. So, oh my goodness. Well, Nicole, thank you so much. I am going to just feel so uplifted for the rest of the day. You have such great energy. (laughs) It made my week too, because you have such beautiful, vibrant, such vibrant energy, and you have such a passion that I can pick up on you know, for the work that you do. And I have no doubt that you're going to make an incredible impact in the lives of the students you're teaching. So thank you for coming today and sharing this with us. And thank you everyone for tuning in. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to Digital Issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.